Okay, I got some um, questions for you here as we begin. There's a lot of famous partnerships that have happened um, in our world, and I'm just going to do a quiz of 10. Okay, I'm going to give you 10. I'm going to give you the first name, and I just want you to think in your head who the other name of the partner is, and we'll see how many get the most, 10 out of 10. If you are home and watching online, um, you can... Give us your final score at the end of this, how many out of 10 you got. I might even give you a bonus one at the end. Um, so here we go. Keep score. Uh, I'm going to say the first name and then see if you know the second name. Here we go. Desi Arnaz and... Okay, we're getting off to a really bad start here, people. Desi Arnaz and... Okay, okay. So about five of you got that the first time. Um, a little bit easier. Batman and? Okay, you're, you're on a better track here. Bonnie and? Okay. Back to Sesame Street days. Bert and? Another cartoon. Tom and? Oh, good. A show you shouldn't watch. Cheech and? Okay, shame on you. <laughs> okay, from my growing up years, Laverne Ann. Okay, you guys are doing pretty good. Uh, one, even our little ones should know. You better know this. Woody and Buzz. Good, good. Okay, th these are for our old timers. Sunny and? Oh, wow. We've got a lot of old people here. Gilligan and? Skipper, good, good. And then um, for those who may not have done too well in this, here's a bonus one. You better get this for food. Peanut butter and? Okay, boy, you guys are really, are really good with all that. You know, speaking of old timers, can I just hit the pause button? Because they weren't back here in, they weren't here in December when this happened. John and Mary Penny celebrated their 60th wedding anniversary. They're right back here. Can we say happy anniversary, you guys? That is an awesome accomplishment. So that's another duo, John and Mary. Very good. John and Mary, a dynamic duo right there. How exciting. Here's the one thing we know about partners. They are not identical but you know that's okay that's what makes them tick that's what makes this thing better that because they are combined they are able to do something greater they are able to form something better they are able to accomplish something to a greater magnitude that's the idea of a partnership and so while you're there in Acts chapter 16, I want to show you where all of this is built because in Acts 16, he's actually talking about the development of this brand new baby church in Philippi. We talked about it last week. Philippi is the very first church plant in Europe. And so we're actually looking at the very first believer in, in Europe in Acts chapter 16. And what a unique partner duo 
that happens at the very beginning of the church at Philippi. So um, here, later on, Paul writes a letter to this church. It's the book of Philippians. And he mentions these verses, verses 3 to 5. He says this, I thank my God every time I remember you. In all my prayers for all of you, I always pray with joy. Notice the words, because of your partnership in the gospel. Now notice these. From the first day until now. So your partnership in the gospel from the first day. So that's where we're going to focus in right now on that verse 5 where he says, I always pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. So in our mini interlude here, Before we get back into the life of David in 1 Samuel, and I'm really looking forward to that study with you, now we've kind of taken a quick peek at this infant church of Philippi. So this Philippian church was um, this first gathering of believers in Europe, and it's really fascinating how it all began. So in this discussion here, he mentions in Philippians 1, they have a partnership. And just like... All of these individuals that we mentioned, this beginning partnership at Philippi, they were not identical. These people were not uniform in any way, but they were brought together in a partnership that was all about the gospel of Jesus Christ and advancing redemptive purposes. And so I I just want to, just in our brief time together here, just mention, I want to introduce you to these people that formed the initial partnership he mentions from the first day. This is the first day of the Church of Philippi. So check this out. You're in Acts chapter 16. Here's the first convert, the first side of this duo partnership in the Church of Philippi in Acts chapter 16. So he mentions in verse 13... (coughs) He said, on the Sabbath, we went outside the city gate to the river where we expected to find a place of prayer, and we sat down and began to speak to the women who had gathered there, and one of those listening was a woman from the city of Thyatira named Lydia. She was a dealer in purple cloth. She was a worshiper of God, and the Lord opened her heart to respond to Paul's message. So let's just talk about this first partner in the gospel. And it's the first convert in Europe. Her name is Lydia. So I'm going to give you just a little bit of background because you you wouldn't know it just by looking at, at the description that's given here in the passage. But it mentions that she is from this city. So just to make sure that you're with me here this morning, um, you read there in Acts 16, she is from the city of... Okay, I know it's a tongue twister. She's from the city of Thyatira. Thyatira. Okay, and probably that doesn't ring a bell for you much. Here's the deal with Thyatira. It was a very wealthy community of the Asia Minor province. So the modern name of Thyatira is Akhisar, which means, 
and you can, you can just hear the wealth in it. It means white castle. Can you hear the uppity up with that? So here's the deal with Thyatira. They were just a, a region filled with artisans. So they had all of these artists. The artists dealt with cloth. They dealt with woodworking. They dealt with stone. They dealt with metalworking, coppersmiths, all of those. So they had so many artists. And then these artists, say, with the cloth or with the wood or with the stone, they would collect together in guilds. And these guilds, because there were, there were actually inscriptions that had been unearthed from Thyatira, these guilds actually purchased properties and incorporated. And so these guilds were like businesses with these artists that would make these goods for them, and then they would sell internationally. So Thyatira was the happening place. This place had money. This place had the talented people. And they sold their well-crafted goods all around the country. So of all of the other ancient cities at that time, Thyatira was on the map in their wealth and in their abilities in this way. So now look at Lydia. So it mentions she was from Thyatira, and then she was, notice this, it doesn't say she was an artisan in purple cloth. It says she was a dealer. So are you putting this together in your head now? So when you look on the totem pole, of the wealth and the exchange here, she wasn't someone who was in the workplace putting the cloth together. And she wasn't in the guild directing the artisans. She was taking the cloth internationally to sell. She was a dealer. Now, it mentions they actually dealt with a certain color cloth. So let's make sure we're all together on this. She was a dealer in what color cloth? Okay. I don't know if you realize what the big deal of purple cloth is here. Purple cloth is the color of royalty, of nobility. So just, just for context, when, when they crucified Jesus on the cross, it was actually a form of mockery. Um, but when they crucified him on the cross, um, Mark 15, 17, look at this verse. Here, here's what they did. It says, they put a purple robe on him. I interesting. They then twisted together a crown of thorns and set it on him. And then they mocked him. Because with the purple cloth, they mocked him and said, here is the king. Remember? The Here's your royalty. Look at the purple robe. Here's your royalty, king of the Jews. Purple noted royalty. So here's Lydia from Thyatira. She is an international distributor of clothing for royalty 
and nobility. So she hobnobbed with all of the upper muckety-mucks of society. She went to the castles. She went to the kings and the queens and the princes. She was the one that showed them the purple cloths for their robes or their sashes, and she was the one that dealt in all of that. This gal had it all together. And then we also note she not only was from Thyatira, she had a home in Philippi. So if she lived in our day, she would be driving a Tesla, holding a Gucci handbag with a Rolex watch, and own her second beach home in Philippi. And all of this for a woman. Now in our day, we can visualize it. In that day, people, that was a big stinking deal. That's partner number one. Check out partner number two. Remember you said, I appreciate your partnership in the gospel from the first day. Check out partner number two. Well, before we get there, this is the cool thing. Here's how it all happened, verses 13 and 14. It says, on the Sabbath, we went outside the city gate <coughs> to the river where we expected to find a place of prayer. We sat down and began to speak to the women who had gathered there. One of those listening was a woman from the city of Thyatira named Lydia, a dealer in purple cloth. She was a worshiper of God. Notice it didn't say worshiper of Jesus yet. However, the Lord opened her heart to respond to Paul's message. The first convert in Europe, the first side of the partnership of the gospel. Here's the second, second one, the Philippian jailer. I love this. This is the best story that is there. Acts 16, 22 to 24. So when Paul and Silas were preaching the gospel, they were thrown in prison for their faith. They encountered the security guard for the prison, and that's who we're dealing with right here, the, the Philippian jailer. So here's how the passage rings out in verses 22 to 24. I'll throw it up on the screen for you. It says, that the crowd joined in the attack against Paul and Silas, and the magistrates ordered them to be stripped and beaten with rods after they had been severely flogged, they were thrown into prison, and the jailer was commanded to guard them carefully. So here's the jailer. Now notice what part of the prison it says. When he received these orders, he put them in the inner cell and fastened their feet in stocks. Now there's not much is said about the guard. We know a little bit more about Lydia, this dealer in purple cloth from Thyatira, we don't know much about the jailer. Uh, most theologians agree that this kind of position typically went to a former Roman soldier. So just, like, how do we visualize, what would we think about when we're looking at this jailer? Like, what would this guy look like? Typically, he would be a former Roman soldier. Now, this would not be like a lieutenant or commander. This would not be an officer type of a guy who would be in a special uniform and prim and proper. This would probably be a, a fighter. This would be a battle guy. And I'll tell you why, because there are three compartments in prison. 
And here's what they were. The first was called a communora. And this was more of an open area. There was lesser restriction, and it was known for having light coming in from the outside and fresh air. And then there was what was called an interora. This was an inner area sectioned off by solid bars and locks. And then last was called a telanium, and this was the most restrictive. And people would be taken in there in the very inner cell, which would resemble more of a dark, dank dungeon, and they would be fastened in stocks so that they couldn't even move. Typically, this was reserved for people left to die. So you wonder, so which of these three were Paul and Silas put into? So notice the text. Notice what Acts 16 mentioned about what what level of prison they were put into. So it mentions in verse 24, he put them, the jailer put them in the inner cell and fastened their feet in socks. They were in the terrellium. They were in the very most inner dungeon. That's the area that this guard was watching over. So because this guard had to secure hardened criminals with death sentences, these were the toughest, beefiest, nastiest, hardest Roman soldiers. This guy was a fighter. He probably had scars. He probably had a sword with notches in it for all the people he impaled. The Bible doesn't give him a name. We will call him Brutus. This guy was a beast. Today, this guy would work out at Gold's Gym. He's probably heard and uttered every curse word. He's heard and uttered every nasty story. Today, he would have a skull and crossbones tattoo. He would know how to make grown men cry. And one evening, everything changed for him. Read it in verse 25 to 31. Look at this. About midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the other prisoners were listening to them. Suddenly there was such a violent earthquake that the foundations of the prisons were shaken and at once all the prison doors flew open. Everyone's chains came loose. The jailer woke up. When he saw the prison doors open, he drew his sword and was about to kill himself because he thought the prisoners had escaped. But Paul shouted, don't harm yourself. We're all here. And the jailer called for lights and he rushed in and he fell trembling before Paul and Silas. That was a big deal. And he brought them out and asked, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? Obviously, he had been listening to what they were talking about. And they replied, Believe in the Lord Jesus and you'll be saved, you and your household. Isn't that the coolest people? That's stinking cool. Now, here's where it gets interesting. Because back in verse 5 of Philippians 1, Paul says, 
I always pray with joy. It puts a smile on my face because of your partnership. Your partnership in the gospel from that first day until now. Your partnership from the first day. The first Philippian gospel partners, Lydia and the jailer. So this whole idea of partners, they were contributory help. They were participants. These people were actively involved in advancing something forward. This word is such a link involved. Partners like Lydia and the jailer had buy-in. They were actively linked to advance the same Cause It's a word that stresses active contribution. Now, if I can, and someone gave me permission last week, he said, Pastor, you're the pastor. You can step on people's toes. So I'm going to step on people's toes, including my own. Because the Church of America oftentimes doesn't think in the sense of partnership. They think of attendance. And it's a different level of thinking than the modern American church. Because some, some people think a partnership is working at the same place. Not so. It's more like being a business partner. We all are invested. Some people think of a partnership like living in the same home. Nah, ah, ah, ah. It's more like being a family. Some people think of a partnership like watching the same game. No, it's we're all on the same team. Some people think of a partnership like we're on the same flight. No, we're flying the same mission. Do you hear all the differences? This is a shoulder to shoulder, down in the trenches, hand in hand to accomplish the same mission. And this is what is so great because you couldn't get much different partners than the white-collar Lydia, distributor to royalty, and the blue-collar dungeon security of the jailer working together as partners in the gospel. And here's the main point. What unites us because people think partnership is uniformity. Not so. What unites us is our purpose, not our position. It's not our personhood. It's not our preference. It's not our likes and dislikes. It's not our status. What unites us is our mission. It's our message. It's our purpose. That was Lydia and the jailer, partners in the gospel. Okay, so I'm just going to hit the pause button. <coughs> this is the true church. This is the true church. A kaleidoscope 
of colors, of languages, of styles, united with one purpose, partnering in the gospel. Not identical. If we think we're going to be united on, <clears throat> on our preference, or we're going to be united on <clears throat> what we're like, no. Partners in the gospel. So I walked through all the differences. <clears throat> we are man or woman, tall or short, skinny or plump, fast or slow, old or young, smart or Ohio State fans. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> Musical, public speaker, quiet, single, married, blue collar, white collar, traditional, non-traditional, every color and design that God has created. See, our world unites on ethnicities, on hobbies, on preferences, on viewpoints. The church is different. We unite on the purpose and the person of active gospel advancement. Jesus Christ. Almost makes a Christian want to say something crazy like amen or something like that. Yeah, it's true. That's what it's about. That's why Paul said, man, do I smile when I think about you. What a crazy combination back there that first day. <laughs> Lydia, Philippian jailer, partners. And look at what God's done. I got to finish up. Here we go. I'm going to give you these things. What changes when people are gospel partners? What, what did Paul see in them <clears throat> that he knew they were partners and not just Christians? Why, how did he know? How did he identify them as gospel partners? So let me just give these to you and we'll finish up here. What changed was, number one, they were people-focused. They were people-focused. So this was interesting and I, I just give you these verses. <clears throat> Go ahead and note them um, in, your, in your notes or in your Bible. So um, verse 16 of chapter 16. So when Lydia came to Christ, verse 16, um, <clears throat> I, I'm sorry, um, verse 15, when she and the members of her household were baptized. So this is Lydia. <clears throat> so she was baptized, and then she went and told her whole family. So this wasn't merely just about her faith. She's like, I need to tell my whole family. People focused. And then she said to Paul, you know, if you consider me a believer in the Lord, she said, come, stay at my house. 
It's like, hey, let's go. You can be in my place. We'll take care of you. You know, my things are, are your things. Let's, let's do this thing. She was thinking about others in her focus. Everything changed. One of the best was the jailer. If you look down at verse 33 and 34, this one really stuck out. Because verse 33 and 34, after the jailer came to Christ, it mentions verse 33, at that hour of the night, the jailer took them, washed their wounds. Then immediately he and all his household were baptized. The jailer brought them into his house and set a meal before them. He was filled with joy because he had come to believe in God, he and his whole household. So here's his whole perspective. All the way up to this point, Paul and Silas were beaten. They had all of these wounds all over their body. And they were in stocks this whole day. And guess how much the jailer cared? This much. He didn't give a rip that they were probably getting infected, that they were hurting, that they were suffering. And he comes to Christ and he says, whoa, 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 let me take care of you guys. And he pulls them in and he cleans their wounds. And then he takes them home. He says, let me make you a meal. And he takes care of them that way. He shares the gospel with his family. And as people focus, you know, I, I got thinking about this. Let me, let me put this out to you. What do we offer? What do believe believers offer that people can't already get online what do you and i offer to our world that people can't already get online and i'll tell you the only thing we can offer that they can't get online is relationship is love they can get answers online. They can do a course online. In fact, they can watch me online. But to connect with someone who loves them and walks through life with them, you can't get that online. People that have been impacted by the gospel, that are gospel partners, take their lives and they focus the gospel into the lives of other people. That's number one. I got, I got to move through these. Here's number two. What changes when people are gospel partners? Their attitudes. Their attitudes. The jailer, filled with joy, it mentions. Filled with joy because he is a believer. He's like, man, things have changed for me. And his life was different. And the text just says it right out. Joy was a part of his life. You know, in a, in a world of down, discouragement, impatience, nothing stands out like we have been changed more than our attitude. Like that makes a major statement. And people who have been impacted by the gospel, gospel partners are glad that their life has been changed. And, and truthfully, nothing hinders redemptive advancement more than Christians that look like they eat lemon sandwiches, you know. Like, I want what you have? Yeah, that's not happening. Attitude. 
People focused. Attitudes different. Here's the last thing. This one's so neat. So here why Paul and Silas are in prison. You think, oh man, the pastor's in prison. The church isn't going to go anywhere. I mean, how can the church grow if the pastor's locked up and the assistant pastor's in jail right along with him? Check this out, verse 40. Verse 40, after Paul and Silas came out of the prison, they went to Lydia's house where they met with the brothers and sisters and encouraged them. Then they left. What? Are you kidding me? With Pastor Paul and Assistant Pastor Silas in prison? The church still grew in Lydia's house? Yeah. I just want to finish you with this. Our best program for growing the gospel of Jesus Christ, make no mistake about it, our best program for growing the gospel is you. It's people. People ask me how many programs we have. I say, we have hundreds of programs. And they meet seven days a week all over the community. And it's you. And it's me. We're the best program. But it's when we partner in the gospel. I believe the Church of America needs to unlock the gospel from the church building and set it loose with its people as we all partner in it through our personal lives in our homes in our families in our work in our neighborhood in our community gospel partnership is not a book of the month club It's not a discussion group. It's not a think tank. It's not merely matching up and debating doctrinal statements. It's intentional action for gospel advancement. It's personal. There is a conviction and passion that the life-changing message of Jesus needed to be transferred to others, and it became personal. It became sacrificial. It became home. It became family. That's what Jesus deserves. That's what made a difference in the church of Philippi. That's what will impact the church in Traverse City. I believe it. And so I finish this. Church attenders. Church attenders don't change the world. Active gospel partners do. Amen? That's what it is. Active gospel partners do. Yeah. Amen. Hey, would you stand with me? Would you stand with me? The big question I have for your heart, if you close your eyes. Am I a partner? Am I a partner? Am I an attender? Am I a contributor? Or am I a consumer? 
How does Jesus look at me? Does he look at me with joy saying, man, what a partnership. They're not all the same, but they have the same mission. And it's to advance the life-saving gospel message of Jesus to their region. So Father, use this. Use this text. Use these examples. Use Lydia and the jailer as opposite as they can be to unite our church around the very same thing they were united on. The message, the life-changing message of Jesus Christ. Use us arm in arm in our personal lives for redemptive advancement, for your credit, your recognition. Grow your kingdom through us. We pray this in the name of Jesus. And all God's people said, amen.